Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here is your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to my 474th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Monday at noon Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Florida to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened last week and what's ahead for this week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788 or you can email me at iir at comcast.net which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.net one word.com. As always, I will give you my event of the week that I attended, as well as highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, we'll be joined later by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. Well, my event of the week that I attended was the Tampa Bay Rays opening day on Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and it was my first time ever inside the Trop, Tropicana Field, and I have to admit, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, It's no secret that the Trop has been uh, spoken of in negative terms through the years, i.e. called the worst park in Major League Baseball, if not all of sports, but Even though it's a dome and inside, uh, it was a very nice presentation. I walked all around the trop, starting with the concession area. I looped the field, and it was very impressive. Uh, All kinds of offerings and brightly lit and all kinds of restaurants and whatnot and, uh, and just nonstop concessions of every sort that you could imagine. So that was pretty cool. And then when I completed that, I walked around the entire inside of the trop uh, at field level. And well, just above field level, I should say. I wasn't on the field, but uh, right up in the stands. And they have a nice, you know, walking area that takes you right the entire way around the field. Lots of standing room areas, which were packed. Um, and the seats, the seat I had was just fabulous, uh, right near the right field foul pole. If anybody, uh, got a good one, especially a left-hander, it was coming right in my lap. It didn't happen, unfortunately, but nonetheless, uh, it was a great sight line. Of course, the roof is legendary with the various catwalks and whatnot, and, uh, they were there and I can see now uh, with the uh, crazy ground rules that they had to implement to take care of them. It's easy to see fly balls reaching up there. Um, but all in all, I was just really impressed. Uh, it's 10 minutes from where I'm located uh, here in St. Pete, and it was just uh, – so, so I passed the drop and seen the exterior 
countless times over the past couple of years, and it was fun to finally go inside. The pregame was simply off the charts. There's an establishment called Ferg's uh, that I've mentioned often. That's like a massive one, two block square area, basically with roofs all around it, all above it, I should say. And uh, but that is, that aside, it's it's open air, um, and absolutely packed. It was a block party of epic proportions with music and whatnot, uh, packed beyond belief. So the energy around the Rays was palpable and very, very impressive. Just uh, excitement in the air, something, you know, excitement like you can only get for opening day in baseball. Uh, it's unique. And so it was just a terrific take. So glad I did it. And it was just a great day, 3 o'clock starting time. Made it really nice to have the early afternoon to uh, just enjoy the atmosphere, both at Ferg's, which is literally a two-minute walk to the stadium, if that, right across the street. And then, you know, outside the stadium, of course, tailgating, uh, a la football. This is Florida, after all, (laughs) where football rules. And so it had a little bit of a football atmosphere, which was really cool. And again, just really, really enjoyed it. And a tremendous take and the trop uh, much better than I had been led to believe through the years. Um, that leads into my event of the week, that I, which was, or my highlight of the week, I should say, uh, which is, of course, the Masters where Scotty Scheffler won its first major and fourth tournament in 57 days. That is incredible. Uh, His win justified his world number one ranking, uh, and he's simply the hottest golfer on the planet, i.e. four tournament wins in 57 days. Uh, Let that one sink in for a few minutes. uh, I'm guessing we've seen it before because I haven't, uh, heard that we that it's the best ever run, but boy, it's the best ever run I can remember, and I think a lot of, a lot of us can remember. I'm guessing there have been others, but boy, this is just uh, off the charts what he's doing, and he controlled the tournament from really Friday afternoon the whole way through. Never gave the competition much of a chance, a la Tiger. Uh, don't let him catch you, so to speak, and don't make any mistakes. And that was Scotty Scheffler uh, until his uh, uh, two next-to-last shots, gim- practic- practically gimmies on the 18th. He missed the first two, of course, made the third to close it out. Um, went from 12-under to 10-under in a matter of seconds. Um, but it didn't matter. He had a five-stroke lead, so... And he still finished double digits under par and won the Masters. So some of the highlights that were non-Scotty Scheffler were uh, Tiger just walking up the 18th. Uh, just that was golf history there. Um, that crowd cheering him as he walked, and, or should I say limped? Uh, and that's not to sound negative. Uh Tiger simply completing 72 holes at the Hilly Hilly Masters. I've been there three times. I know how hilly it is. It's amazing. 
um, was just an unforgettable feat. Uh, and the, the bulldog that is inside Tiger to just make it happen. Uh, so then after he completed the hole and the, the 72 holes, the 72nd hole, I should say, uh, another tiger roar as he walked from the green to the clubhouse. That was equally impressive as him walking up the hill to the 18th green, uh, just ran chills right up your back. It was just amazing. It looked like as he walked up the 18th, he might have been tearing up tough to say, but, uh, uh, stuff that only tiger woods can do. What else can you say? You just don't and haven't ever seen anything quite like it since perhaps Ben Hogan's return in the 1940s or 50s after his car crash. And uh, and it was just must-see TV. Uh, and everybody's still talking about the first practice round last Monday, his first appearance in a year and a half, basically. And then, uh, and then when he, you know, came out on Thursday for the first round and then Friday, unbelievable ESPN ratings showing it because he uh, was, of course, fighting to make the cut, which he did pretty handily. So Tiger Woods, uh, it's glad to have him back. We're glad to have him back because he, uh, he moves the needle like no other. That leads into my bizarre story of the week, which was Rory McIlroy and Colin Morikawa uh, holding it out from the sand and back-to-back shots. It, it was just electric. Uh, dare I say it was the greatest non-winning moment in Masters history, uh, Tiger aside. <laughs> um, and it was just the elation from both of them, especially McElroy, was just amazing, to say the least. And uh, just really, really cool. Um, Rory went low yesterday in a big way, finished second, nothing short of amazing. Um, and as we all know, that's the only, uh, major missing on his resume. And he's been haunted by Augusta since the 10th hole on the back nine on Sunday, the 10th hole, uh, where he had the lead and this was when he was in his glory days of winning majors and uh, what, maybe a decade ago. And uh, his first, his tee shot off the 10th hole that day to begin the back nine with the lead on Sunday. Uh, he basically hit a house. I think he hit Butler Cabin and, or whatever, or Eisenhower's house, whatever it was. And, uh, and he basically just fell apart. So... Um, hopefully he can use this yesterday's just spectacular round to move up the leaderboard and actually, you know, make you wonder if, if Scotty Scheffler fell apart of which there seemed to be no chance and there turned out to be no chance, but if he had, uh, given up a few strokes, uh, I think the lead at one point was three over McElroy, uh. Uh, who knows what could have happened that that would have been beyond compelling had they ended up, uh, you know, playing each other in sudden death, something like that. Uh, 
So, yeah, and another Irishman, Shane Lowry, finished tied for third. So, great day for the Irish, that's for sure. And a great day all around and a great tournament. The Masters, it really is a tradition like no other. Again, I've had the pleasure to attend three of them, and there's just uh, nothing quite like it in all of sports, to say the least. Uh, Finally, my low light of the week is the Celtics uh, fighting and having one of the great second half halves of a season in NBA history uh, to get up to the number two seed behind the Miami Heat. And now it's uh, every reason to believe uh, they might have to play the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, hardly a reward for finishing with the number two seed. Uh, the Nets and the Cavaliers play uh, play-in game tomorrow night. And if the Nets win and they are going to be playing on their home court, uh, they'll be playing the Celtics in the first round of the playoffs. So, <laughs> again, uh, hardly a reward for the Celtics, which has been one of the great stories of the year, how they've just uh, fought back from a at best average first half of the season to get to the number two seed and and now it's it's highly likely they're going to end up playing the nets and even playing the calves wouldn't be any great reward so now let's take our break and next up is our call-in expert ap studham veteran multimedia personality who covers alabama football and many other sports as well Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies radio show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance at success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Listen to the Desert Ranch Podcast to hear what connects us to the producers that are keeping us from being naked, hungry, and thirsty. Get a look into the lives of those who live differently from the comforts of a 9-to-5 lifestyle to care for land and livestock. The Desert Ranch Podcast with Vanessa Rohr on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. 
This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 866 Four seven two five seven eight eight, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well, joins us. And A.P., how are you doing today? Hey, doing great, John. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for joining us as always, and... AP, you're in New Orleans for the Final Four, and of course our show last Monday preceded the National Championship game, which frankly seems like a lifetime ago <laughs> after a week of watching the Masters yeah. and a lot of other stuff. But you were there, uh, I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, the greatest comeback in Mar- in a NCAA title game history, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it was an electric yes. game to watch. Kansas beating North Carolina, of course. Yeah, John, it was it was quite a, a tale of two halves. Yes. Uh, Carolina was was dominant, forty to twenty five at a sixteen point lead at one point. Uh I thought that they would play better in the second half because Caleb Love, he's a he had a game where it was three points in the first half for him shooting the basketball and then 27 in the second, but he couldn't get off the snide. He was one for eight that game, five for 24. The point guard, the shooting guard, and the center for North Carolina were 13 for 54, missing 41 shots Oh my gosh. in that game. And that was that was a doom, doomsday report uh, for the Tar Heels. They just couldn't overcome that type of... Uh, percentage, low percentage from the field. Uh, I always tell people basketball, the name of the game is putting the ball in the basket. And Kansas came to life the second half and was able to overcome that 40 to 25 deficit and claim their fourth NCAA uh, title, I believe. Yes. Uh, just amazing to watch. Um, and congratulations to the Jayhawks, uh, you, you know, and they come out of the uh, intermission halftime and just jumped right and just immediately cut that lead down to nothing in a matter of just a couple of minutes, it seemed. And, you know, uh, so often we see, you know, teams make these massive comebacks and they get to the point where they actually tie or get within a point or two or maybe even take a one or two point lead 
And then they just can't keep it up because they've expended so much energy. But I think Kansas's, you know, fast start just propelled them because they just cut a 15-point lead down to basically nothing in, I think, around five minutes. So they still had plenty left. You know, they weren't feeling that, like, late-game pressure to cut that lead. So uh, it just so quickly became, you know, a contested game that uh, I think, you know, it, it didn't wear the Jayhawks out, and then they just kept it going the rest of the second half. And AP, most importantly, a lot of, a lot of chatter preceding that game. We, you and I touched on it, I believe. The Kansas, after the epic game with Duke, Mike Krzyzewski's last game, of course, and the rivalry and just all that. A lot of people said they might run out of gas, and, and frankly, I think they did. And that's not to take away from Kansas, by the way. No, yeah, North Carolina, John, they played a terrific game on that Saturday, winning by four points, scoring 81 sure points against Duke. Uh, Caleb Love, he hit those critical shots. I mean, it was possession by possession, which is the way you'd like to see any type of sporting event, especially basketball. And then oh, yeah. who makes the shots at the end, who who makes the free throws. And um, Carolina uh, with a transfer from Oklahoma, the big forward with the, the red-headed, where's the beard? He made mm. three-pointers and free throw shots in that yes. ball game. He, he had a good game in the championship, but they were, were not able to get him enough shots uh you're relying on the other three, the center, the point guard, and the, and the shooting guard. But uh, that Duke game was, uh, North Carolina was a lot of fun to watch for the fans. Oh, yeah. And it was uh, historic. Uh, you know, an epic way for a coach kid to end his, his basketball career, 40 plus years coaching. Yes, it was a historic game, um, to say the least. Uh, you know, one that will never be forgotten, <laughs> to say the least. And, uh, no. For sure. And, you know, again, it's rooted in the rivalry, maybe the best rivalry, certainly the best rivalry in college basketball, maybe the best rivalry in all of sports. So the emotion connected to that game and then you pile on Coach K's potential last game on top of it. it, It's draining. And then the game itself, as you just described, was spectacular, highly emotional. And I think, you know, North Carolina come out and just played like they ended the Duke game in the first half. And then, as many people, you know, predicted, you know, they, they might run out of gas. And, you know, I, I don't want to hit too hard on this. I mean, I think they did run out of gas to a degree, but at the same light, Kansas came out and yeah, they earned it. So I'm, I'm not saying Kansas was given a gift. Uh, just that, you know, I think it was a combination, as it always is, uh, of both factors. You, you know, UNC finally did, you know, run out of gas a bit, and Kansas was spectacular. Yeah, John, uh, you know, it was interesting to watch the NCAA tournament. I thought it was uh, so entertaining, as it is always, but this always. was the bluest of blue bloods, those those teams of uh, Duke and Carolina and um, Villanova and Kansas. Uh, Villanova, I think, with three titles, Kansas with three, Carolina with six, and Duke with five. So 
uh, the fans were out in full force and they're knowledgeable and they're rabid. And there was 70,000 people at, in the Superdome mm-hmm. for the, the final four games, those three games. And, and even when the second game was played on Saturday, of course, nobody left, even the right. Nova fans or the Kansas fans. So exactly. there was, uh, you know, high, high volume of cheering, uh, for those games, all, all three of them. But, uh, you know, Carolina, I thought would shoot a little bit better. I thought Caleb Love particularly would shoot better in the second game because he was three for 10 from the arc on Saturday. And he only ended up one for eight on Monday, five for 24 overall, uh, in the championship game. So they, they just couldn't make enough baskets. To, to keep pace with Kansas, who was kind of tentative in the first half with their offense. There was, nobody seemed to assert themselves, but um, they came alive in that second half. Yeah, and as Charles Barkley aptly described on TV, uh, you know, even at halftime, you know, Kansas is at their best when they're running, when, and they can run with the best of them. And they just, for whatever reason, didn't do that in the first half. Obviously, did it big time in the second half at the highest degree. Um, and it's really that simple. They, they were just, uh, you know, a team that just goes up and down the floor when they're playing Kansas basketball. And that's exactly what they ended up doing. And so I've made a decision, AP, uh, as far as future NCAA polls. Uh, I, I think the one team you can count on, and you should pencil into the Final Four automatically, at least I'm going to, uh, uh, is Villanova. I mean, I was just kicking myself for not trusting them. I'm a Pennsylvania native. I've always, always liked Villanova. And again, they just proved again, you know, and even even though Kansas uh, beat them somewhat handily, um, you know, their money, their money, you know, as a team that's going to show up in March every single year, of course, they've won two of the last six, seven national championships got to the final four, uh, this past one. And, uh, so, so that's, that, that's the take home I took from this tournament. Like just pick Villanova to get to the final four and your, your, your chances are what 50% or so that they're probably going to get there. Anyway, that's a bit of an aside, yeah. but I, I had to say that that was, I was like, again, kicking myself. Um, like I, yeah, John, in other words, know, I should know better. Vill- Put it that way. Yeah, right. You know, John Villanova, they're a team that always has some has talented players that can compete with anybody. I think moving forward, maybe they try to get some more depth because you know their MVP Moore got hurt, so he couldn't participate, and they have right. a short bench as it is. So I, I'm thinking maybe Jay Wright and company, they'll probably try to work on developing a deeper bench so they yes. can play in some of these games and not get worn out or if it have any injuries that they could still uh, have a chance to, a strong chance to win the game. Yes. And God, who knows what would have happened had their, I guess, quote, second best player next to Colin Gillespie, you know, uh, hadn't got hurt with 35 seconds to go in the preceding game. I mean, that's just awful that that would happen. Um, you know, the elite eight game. And, uh, anyway, um, bottom line Villanova, they have a system. 
and they just a really good system and they just uh and they're looking for certain types of players as well and the players they recruit work well in their system and it's turned into quite a formula so uh uh, just had to say yeah, John, that. Yeah, Jay Wright, he, yeah, he, he, he's an excellent coach. Jay is. I, excellent. He's always cool on the sideline. And yep. I, I just really uh, admire him. Me too. Me too. That, that, that's, what, that's what it really comes down to. It's the coach, of course. And I have uh, high admiration for him as well. And uh, so, again, that was my take home as far as filling out my annual March Madness pool and uh, here we, we're already at our break here, but I do want to just say congratulations to Kansas AP. I mean, just an amazing run themselves. You know, there was a time and whatever at some point in the season where you wouldn't have picked them to be national champions. They're always Kansas. They're always good. But, you, you know, I don't, there was a period of time as there is with most teams that you didn't see this coming. Yeah. Kansas is, you know, Bill Self, he's, he's yes. always gets players from around the country and has a, a representative roster that normally wins the Big 12 and gets into the NCAA tournament and ranked high usually as one of the top seeds. So, uh, But it was, like I said, a surprise that they had that greatest uh, come-from-behind victory ever in the national championship game to defeat right. the North Carolina Tar Heels. That's the perfect postscript, AP, and the perfect message to to end this segment. Uh, greatest comeback in national championship game history. Uh, what else can you say? So why don't we uh, take our break? And I know you'll be sticking around. And uh, we still have a lot to, more to get to on the other side. So don't go anywhere. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Join hosts Navanav every week for Good Morning Canada. Our home is Canada, but our message and reach is boldly global. Our focus is on the alternative perspective, the hidden dimension, and the expansive horizon. Ideas are designed to be challenged, perceptions shattered, and information balanced. We invite you to visualize the converse viewpoint, dare to be inquiring, but always promise an hour of lively fun. Listen worldwide at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more. 
We'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Show host Sharon Kleiner interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleiner Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call in number is 1-866-472-5788. Or you can email me at IIR at Comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. And A.P., last segment, we, of course, talked about the national championship game that Kansas came back to beat North Carolina last Monday night. Um, But as always, our bread and butter is football, and it sounds like you had an interesting weekend on the football front. Yeah, John, I had the opportunity to travel to Auburn University for their A-Day spring game, and the big uh, buzz is who will play quarterback this year. You know, you have T.J. Finley, who came in from LSU last year as a transfer. You have Robbie right. Ashford from the state of Alabama, Hoover High School. High School. It's a famous uh, uh, institution around here outside Absolutely. of Birmingham. He was at Oregon. And I actually saw him play as a junior against Bo Nix, the name, you know, the, the legendary player from from Auburn. You know, his dad played there, Patrick Nix. So Bo Nix was, uh, you know, groomed to be the quarterback at Auburn. He transfers to Oregon, and the Oregon quarterback from Alabama transfers to, to Auburn. So it's, uh, <laughs> Welcome it's to a, college it's, football. Yeah, a, yeah college football. Right? They play, played against each other, and... But anyway, Robbie Ashford, he, he was the MVP of the game. He showed some ability to move out of the pocket. He's fast and nimble, athletic, was accurate with his throws. And um, uh, I enjoyed watching him and T.J. Finley. And then the, the freshman quarterback, Holden Gurner from Georgia, led his team to a couple of state titles, I think it was. So he was enrolled in January. So they're there. And then uh, Zach Calzada, transferred from Texas A&M. He's injured with a shoulder problem. So they have four quarterbacks vying for the position. So I think they'll find two, and I'm not opposed to playing two. Some people object to that scenario, but I'd like to see a couple of quarterbacks unless somebody is 
far superior, but I'm not sure if that's going to happen, but it could be. But so they have four quarterbacks in contention, and that competition will probably last till the first game. I wouldn't doubt that uh, Coach Harson just kind of plays plays it close to the vest and maybe announces the week of the game or maybe just trots them out there to start the first ball game, uh, you know, without telling anybody. Correct. Correct. Um, it's a crazy world now with the transfer portal. And uh, just as an example, what you just spoke about is, you, you know, four quarterbacks, you, you know, one, if not two, may end up leaving if they, when they, when they don't get the, if and when they don't get the job. Um, that's the world we live right. in. And I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying that's the world of college football and just playing off what you said about four quarterbacks. Of course, one's a freshman. Um, but AP, uh, just backing up a bit, Bo Nix transferred. Am I right about that? Correct. From Auburn to Oregon. And ironically, the first game will be against Georgia in Atlanta. Oh, my. Coming back to the south, in other words. Near Auburn. Coming back to the south. Yeah, I think, right, I think it's the first game. I think it's the first game. Of course, I remember, and you were there, that Bo Nix played, I thought, a terrific game against Penn State last year in the second game of the year in September. Um, that, that was one of the top games of the college football season, I feel, would white out the whole bit. And uh, you were there. You would know better than me. But, you know, and again, his legacy and whatnot, uh, that had to be a bit of a shock when he left. I, you know, I, I don't know that we ever really got to that when it happened. Uh, there's other things going on at that point. Right. You're you're the namesake uh, playing at Auburn starting, and you, you were injured. So uh, I, I didn't see him losing the – the starting position if he came back this season and you transferred. So that was kind of odd and unusual. Yeah. And you, you know, frankly put, you know, aside from the, you know, we already talked on, you know, the good game against Penn state last year, but I remember he had a really fast start or an epic win early, early in his freshman career, if not his first, second, third game, whatever, and I remember just thinking, oh, okay, so Auburn's all set a quarterback for the next three years. This guy's good. And, you know, and it was it just right. proved to be an up and down kind of career. But I always yeah. remember he, he had just this massive upset or quick beginning to his college career. Do I have that right? He, right. Yeah, he actually beat um, the quarterback for the Chargers, uh, Justin Herbert, right? He played at Oregon. He actually beat Oregon the first game okay, of his there college you go. career. At there the you end. Go. And so imagine that he's, yeah, he's transferring to Oregon, and and uh, the Oregon quarterback transfers to Auburn, and then he beat Alabama as well. So he had his moments. He right, that's right. He did beat Alabama. I forgot about that. Uh, well, that's the moment that he'll treasure, <laughs> obviously. But yeah, I always remember. I remembered. I remembered his first game ever and just thinking like, wow, uh, this guy's going to be around and have a great career at Auburn. That's exactly what I thought. I remember that vividly. Um, so yeah, college football. So we are now into spring football. Uh, obviously you cover Alabama up close and personal and have for years and years. Um, I assume they're in spring practice and they have yet to play their spring game. Is that correct? Right, their spring game is this Saturday, 
Okay. And, you know, so that, that'll that be in Tuscaloosa. I'll be going up there to watch that ball game. And, uh, of course, they already have a quarterback, right? You know, the returning Heisman Trophy winner, Bryce <laughs> they sure Young. Do. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, they do. So what I've been hearing is there's holes on the offensive line. They're just having trouble picking the five players that will be starters. I think that's going to be a continuing competition all the way to the first game, um, which is kind of surprising because when you're selecting players, and that's what Alabama does at this point, really, um, right. you, it's, it's all in your evaluation because you're the one bringing in certain offensive linemen from all around the country. It shouldn't be a, a, there, there shouldn't be question marks. Um, some are better than others, of course, and that weeds itself out through the competition process. But uh, not feeling good about the offensive line that, you know, when they've had All-Americans year after year, uh, Remington Award winners, Allen Trophy winners, uh, Joe Moore uh, Award winners for the entire offensive line. So this could be something that's developing at Alabama for the upcoming season where the offensive line is not as uh, good as in the past. Correct. Well, yeah, I mean, when I think of Alabama and offensive defensive line, I just feel like, you know, that's a that's a given that they're going to be great. Right. It's only a question of how yeah. great. And the other question is, you know, are, are, are some of their linemen going to be the best in the country at their position, so to speak? Um, right. So, yeah, so that's interesting to hear. It might not be quite the given that's, that we're used to. Right, the surprise factor with the offensive line at Alabama, because I always tell people if Alabama doesn't have offensive linemen, no one does. <laughs> Correct. Uh, well said. Well, that'll be cool. Uh, the uh, spring game, I've watched one or two. It's great that they now have them on, like, whatever. That'll be on SEC Network, if not something uh, additional. Um and then, right. you know, Penn State, who I follow very closely, of course, uh, their game, it's called the Blue-White Spring Game. That will be uh, two weeks from this past Saturday, 12 days from now. Uh, so there will be a lot of excitement up there uh, for that. So, yeah, it's great to have these spring games. You know, I'm here in Florida, so the Gators uh, spring game, uh, just all of it. Um, so yeah, it's good to talk some football and, um, you know, it's about to take center stage, uh, between spring games leading into the NFL draft in a few weeks. So, uh, that's what we love. So, uh, here we are April and it's time to get serious about football. <laughs> it's, a, it's a different world, shall we say. Oh yeah, John. They'll have games, um, you know, probably till the end of April. I don't know. Maybe there's a probably a few in May as well. So, right. you know, pe- people are starting to learn about their teams, and and of course, always the question I'm asking is, who is your quarterback? That's because it. That that will, you know, your the success of your team normally will hinge on the performance of your quarterback because. They can lead them offensively to put points on the board and also keep the other team on the sideline if they have a good offense. So it helps your defense as well. Yeah, football has evolved into that, and it's more important 
the further up the chain you go. Uh, most important in the NFL, second most important in college, uh, on and on and on. So, AP, uh, great to talk football again with you. It feels like it's been a, a, a bit of a while since we've done that. Um, but it's time for our break, so why don't we take our final break? Uh, still a lot to get to on the other side, so don't go anywhere. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Listen for Go to Health Radio, featuring host Jonathan Marks and health experts from around the world who bring evidence-based education from Western, alternative, and holistic practices. We bring together you, seeking relevant and proven information for your healthcare needs and reputable healthcare experts and companies who offer quality education for your benefit. Monthly, we also share continuing education for medical professionals. Listen live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to Melody Edmondson's The Space of the Waste radio program. This companion piece to her successful guidebook series, The Space of the Waste, focuses on body types and how to make your waist length flattering, no matter what your body type is. Guests include designers, merchandise managers, factory owners, and more. You'll also find out what accessories will complement your body shape and waist length. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham. 
veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. And before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is tomorrow's NBA play-in games. It's going to be the Brooklyn Nets and the Cleveland Cavaliers, followed by the Clippers and the Timberwolves. And uh, so, yeah, and then on Wednesday, we have a couple more um, Charlotte Hornets at Atlanta Hawks, San Antonio Spurs at New Orleans Pelicans. So, AP, we had the Masters yesterday, a sports event near and dear to our heart. You, you were there the day, I believe, Sergio Garcia finally broke through and won his first major, which, oh, by the way, was the Masters. And I was there the year Patrick yeah, – correct, good. I have a good memory on that. Um and I was there when Patrick Reed won it, and uh, nothing quite like it. Um, and just a great tournament. Tiger Woods simply completing 72 holes was historic. John, it was uh, the Masters. It was always a lot of fun. It comes the next weekend after the college basketball championship. And, and so there's a, a huge audience normally. And um, so I guess the – the winner was way ahead, and he had a few bogeys at the end, but he held on for the victory. So it, it wasn't very dramatic as, as it could as it been in the past. That's right, AP. It was not. Um, Scotty Scheffler just you, you know had a vice grip on it from Friday afternoon on, and never ever wavered. Um, the non-winner highlight was clearly you know Tiger Woods. Walking up the 18th, limping is a better word, um, was as good a master's roar as you would ever want to see for simply a moment that wasn't winning the championship. And then uh, that was one thing. And then he, of course, put it out. And then the walk from the green to the clubhouse was equally deafening. Uh, really, really cool. And... So Tiger Woods, you know, uh, he makes sports history even when he's not even close to being uh, in the winner's circle. But yet he made the cut, which is really an impressive achievement. Uh, and we're going to see more of him. He kind of committed to golfing in the British Open, the Open, which is, of course, the 150th British Open. And it's going to be at St. Andrews. It doesn't get any better than that. And St. Andrews, as we all know, Flat course, links course. So Tiger won't have the struggles of uh, walking the hills of Augusta. So it's good, AP. Uh, and again, you and I have had the pleasure to be there. There's nothing quite like it in sports, period. There just isn't. <laughs> you know, it's it's unique. Yeah, John, it's a, and the weather was, I guess it was uh, varied from day to day. It wasn't the same. So that, that can present some challenges to a few of the players, but uh, all in all, it was a good tournament, and and uh, it's always fun to watch. Absolutely. It was insane wind uh, for a couple of the days. It was really cold. A lot of people wearing ski hats, and I saw one woman wrapped in a blanket <laughs> uh, in the, ga- in right. the gallery, a, a, a patron, and uh, and she looked like she was at a football game in December. <laughs> you know, so she was just standing there. <laughs> Utterly wrapped in a blanket, and uh, it looked frigid. 
Um, and they said it was, and it, again, it was a wind tunnel, uh, massive right. wind. Uh, but then yesterday, as always, as often seems to happen, you know, it was just uh, beautiful, perfect conditions, 75. Uh, everybody went low. And, uh, and you know, the Masters kicks off like what is one of, in my mind, the two best months of the year are April, for sports, are April and October. And now we're underway. I referenced at the beginning of this segment NBA play-in games, leading, of course, into the playoffs starting this weekend. Uh, before you know it, it'll be the uh, hockey Stanley Cup playoffs, and it's just going to be electric. So the Masters kind of kicks that off. And uh, just as we go to close, AP, I always think of Jim Nance. Uh, you said it perfectly that the Masters always follows the Na- uh, March Madness championship game. And Jim Nance, of course, is the voice of both and the famous voice of both. So I always think, like like this year, I was thinking, oh, it's going to be easy for Jim Nance to make it from New Orleans over to Augusta. You know, sometimes it's been like, you know, what, flying across the country, uh, to say the least. Right. Uh, but, yeah, again, Jim Nance to me is the perfect sort of uh, bridge from – uh, brought, you know, doing the final four and of course the national championship game and, uh, and, you know, one shining moment, the whole bit. Uh, so we leave Jim Nance, you know, late on a Monday night. And then next thing you know, we're listening to him for four or five, six days straight. <laughs> it's great. It really is. <laughs> Love, but yeah, Jim yeah, Nance. C- uh, CBS carries both of those events and, um, yep. signature events. Yeah, the the viewer viewership is huge. Oh my gosh, yes, yes. And I've heard Jim Nance speak about it, and he just says there's nothing more he enjoys than that. You, you know, broadcasting national championship game and off to Augusta. You, you know how it, it like you know it just doesn't get any better than that in sports uh, than that schedule. But AP, I want to thank you for calling in. Great job as always. And we appreciate your expertise, as always. Hey, thank you, John. My pleasure. And thank you again, AP. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at noon Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning into All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.